good to be worshiping with you this morning. Your brothers and sisters at Calvary at Ringo's uh, down south greet you. Our passage this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. If you're using a pew Bible, you can turn to page 964. To many of us, these past, past two years have been difficult, whether it is dealing with COVID, job and finance, strained relationships, uh, loneliness, alienation, even death in family. Uh, it is my hope that we will all be encouraged by this passage. So let's now turn to Paul's letter to the Second Corinthians, chapter 1. Once again, I'll be reading verses 3 to 11. Now hear the reading of God's holy and infallible word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is God's word. Let us pray for his blessing. Our gracious Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit gives us understanding and comfort of your word so that we may grow in union and communion with Christ our Lord. In his name we pray, amen. When you are facing difficulties and have no solution, don't you just want to just go back to your room, shut the door, get into bed and throw a comforter onto yourself and wish everything bad will go away, hoping that tomorrow is a better day. But God is not one who leaves us to wishful thinking or wishy-washiness. This passage proclaims, based on how many times Paul speaks of the word comfort, affliction, and suffer, that God himself comforts us in our afflictions and sufferings. And so we'll look at this central idea in three points. Uh, following a Trinitarian trajectory in the text, we will see how the three persons of the one true God comfort us when the going gets tough. Our first point is found in verses 3 to 4. That is, God our Father is our comforter. 
Paul typically begins his letters with praise and blessings to God. Here and elsewhere, he doesn't simply bless an invisible or supreme impersonal being. He states very clearly that God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Back in the beginning of the 19th century, some promoted a teaching called the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. In brief, they claimed that God is the father of all and every human beings, and he loves everybody very much. And this teaching is supposed to unite humanity into one happy family. Well, obviously that didn't work out so well, because... Perhaps you can find it in novel and, um, and, uh, and children's book, but this is nowhere taught in the Bible. The truth is that God is first and foremost the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us this solemn truth, that we are not by nature children of God, but we were born sinners and justly deserve of God's wrath and judgment. God has no obligation to do us any favor because we have sinned against him in our thought, in our word, and in our actions. But God the Father, who eternally loved God the Son, he loved the world so much that he sent his only Son into this sinful world that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. So simply stated, believers not believers only become children of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this saving benefit of being sons and daughters of God is immense. When we face adversity, we often go into troubleshooting mode immediately. We ask ourselves, how do I get out of this? How do I stop suffering? Where do I find the right physician and counselor and so on? But do we know with undeniable clarity and truth that God is our Heavenly Father? He's the one, first and foremost, that we can cry out to, that we can cling on to. Because as our Father, He cares for us because He loves us. However battered and weak that we are. Think about it. If he can forgive all our sins and give us eternal life, isn't it a small thing that he comes to our aid here and now? But there's more. Our Heavenly Father is also God of all comfort. We can look at it this way. God's mercy is his tender heart towards us. He pities our lowly status. And God's comfort tells us that he actually comes to us with all his divine and saving grace so that he is with us to strengthen us in times of difficulties. And notice here, Paul tells us that God is God of all comfort against all or any affliction. Think about it. When we go to see a doctor, doesn't he often refer us to a specialist? And then a specialist refer refer us then to an expert. And what can be worse when an expert tells us that, well, 
I've never seen this before. That's interesting. But our Heavenly Father has at His disposal every kind of remedy against every kind of ailment. He has every arsenal to destroy any and every enemies of ours. And He treats us gently, wisely, lovingly, and for our good. The great comfort of knowing God is that He loves us as His very own children through Christ. And He knows perfectly what to do with us, whether we are at our best or even at our worst. He never fails. He works all things for the good of His beloved children. So Christian, isn't this good news? Well, I know, I know you often don't feel God's comfort when you are struggling. But this goes above and beyond how you feel. God's fatherly comfort is a revealed truth. It is as real as God is real. God is our Father of mercies and God of all comfort, Paul says. And we must reaffirm and embrace this truth again and again, especially in times of difficulties. So let not your heart be troubled when your life situation is terrible, or even when you feel like the whole world crumbles around you. Know and embrace and hear the call of God, your Heavenly Father, who welcomes you and comforts you with His holy love. And this leads us to our second point of the passage, which can be found in verses 5 to 7. And it is this, that God the Son is our comforter. When we are in distress, we want immediate relief or instant reversal of fortune. We eagerly yearn for pain removal, like we're sitting by a window waiting for snow removal from the plow truck from the township. And this desire often overwhelms us so that we forget or we ignore infallible and comforting truth about God. But God's comfort comes not only in words of truth, but in Christ. God himself comes very near and dear to us. Paul tells us that we share of Christ's sufferings as well as Christ's comfort. In particular, we can experience this abundant comfort in Christ during our struggling with, our, with, with any hardship. As an illustration, let me give you an example. Let's say a high schooler is failing all his classes and is on the verge of dropping out. He is under tremendous pressure from his parents and his peers. He feels stupid. He feels useless. He feels like an outcast. And he is depressed. Now his pastor and his elder come to him and put their, uh, put their arms around his shoulder and said, Trust God. He is your comfort. And he will lead you on his righteous path no matter what happens to you. Now, while this is true, this kid really doesn't grip it in his heart. It goes in one ear and goes out the other. But then, a young man comes to him after the service. He put his 
hand around the kid, and he tells him that he never finished high school. But thanks be to God, whose power is made perfect in weakness, he now makes a good and honest living to support his wife and kids. Now, isn't it not a surprising thing that this high school kid pay attention to this young, this young man, this new friend, because he identifies with him, because he finds comfort in a shared experience in life. And he clings to this young man to find out and to experience how faith helps him. In his great mercy and love for us, the eternal Son of God assumed a human nature. He became a man in order to save us. Yes, we know that only as a man that he could fulfill all righteousness of God's law by his perfect obedience. And yes, we know that only as a man that he could become a perfect atoning sacrifice on a cross. And we often focus on Christ's birth and his death. But the four Gospels also give us a very good look of what happens in between. That Jesus not only suffered for you, his earthly life and his ministry demonstrated that he suffered with you. Look at it this way. The gospel tells us that Jesus suffered the same temptations as we do. He was assaulted by evil men as we do. His life circumstances were quite undesirable since he has no place to lay his head. Even his family doubted him and thought that he was mad. He was surrounded by the sick, the broken, and the demon-possessed. He was often misunderstood, mistreated, and falsely condemned. The eternal Son of God had no need to suffer, but he became a man to be tempted by evil and to be tried by a life of suffering and and to experience all wickedness and afflictions of this life so that he may share with you his whole life experience. Listen to what the author of Hebrews tells us. He says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. What it means is that all the earthly suffering that Jesus endured made him suitable and able to help us. His first-hand experience of all afflictions and hardship made him the best dispenser of grace as our risen and heavenly high priest. This Jesus who suffered and passed through death is now reigning in glory. He knows intimately all our experience of joy and especially experience of suffering and pain. And as a result of this intimate knowledge of us, He knows exactly what we need to endure and eventually conquer suffering. And this is why in our passage, Paul says in verse 7, with such confidence that our hope is unshaken because we share life 
with the suffering servant and the victorious Lord of all. Our life pattern mirrors and follows Christ's own life. That is temporary suffering and humiliation followed by forever glory and exaltation. But the comfort of Christ is not only about our future glory when we will be raised like Jesus. Here and now, the risen Christ gives us grace and mercy to endure hardship in our time of need so that we may be more than conquerors over all our afflictions. Think about it. If you are diagnosed with a rare and deadly disease, would you want to see a newbie fresh out of medical school? He has little knowledge and really no experience of how to treat you. Or would you want to see a doctor who is an experienced expert? He calmly sits you down and tells you, yes, a difficult surgery and grueling recovery, they are ahead of you. But you will be fully recovered because he has successfully treated every single one of his patients. Now, do you trust and find comfort in his word and experience? And do you entrust your body to this good doctor? In a similar but a greater way, Jesus himself is our great physician. He himself has gone through suffering and death, and he came out victorious and glorious. So Jesus knows how to make us well because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he has gone through everything that we are going through. As the risen great physician, his medicine is never too weak that we are only partly healed. It is never too strong that we suffer grievous side effects. He has perfect bedside manner, comforting us through his word and spirit. He is full of gentleness, firmness, and truth. His surgical knife cuts just at the right places to remove just the appropriate amount of tumor and nothing else. Yes, Jesus knows you because he has given himself to you. He's now walking through all lives up and downs with you. Even if your suffering is the result of your stupid sins, Jesus never turns away from you. He turns to you with all of himself, all of, him, of his grace, and you receive it by faith. The power of Jesus' resurrection presently works in you to guide, to sustain, and to make you strong in faith and in life. So people of God, when you are suffering, don't think that you are suffering alone. In a mysterious and a real and spiritual way, Jesus shares and he participates in all of your afflictions. As many old authors said, For everyone, look at yourself. Take ten looks at Jesus. Find comfort in knowing Christ, for he knows and he loves you. And this brings us to our third point of the passage. We we can find it from verses 8 to 11. And that is, God the Holy Spirit is our comforter. 
In the Gospel of John, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. This title, helper, is the same word that Paul and other New Testament writers use for comfort, which we see many times uh, in this passage. This word helper or comfort um, literally means someone called to come alongside you. It may describe a defense lawyer, an encouraging friend, or emotional comfort or support of one standing by your side. Now Jesus tells his disciples that he will ask the Father to send another comforter, knowing that he himself is a comforter, a helper. But he tells the church that after his ascension to heaven, he and the Father will send another one who is equal to him as his personal and comforting presence in us. And this comforter is none other than the Holy Spirit. In your affliction and calamity, in case that you don't remember that God the Father is your comfort, because you only hear yourself groaning and crying, in case you forget that God the Son is your comfort, because pain in your heart and body so much, is too much, it shuts everybody out. God the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you to give you a divine and infallible assurance that he himself comforts you with the comfort of the whole trinity. One scholar calls the Holy Spirit God's empowering presence. When you are so weak and your head bowed so low, the Holy Spirit comes in and alongside you to give you a comfort that the world cannot give you. He encourages you. He gives you consolation. He lights up God's word in your heart and in your mind. He gives you gifts to strengthen you and to enable you to not only survive difficulties, but to positively thrive in them. Yes, the Spirit gives you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And don't just take it from me. Paul says this in Romans 5. He says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this is a special and spectacular work of the Holy Spirit. He is eternally the bond of love between God the Father and God the Son. So it's eminently fitting that this Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes into our hearts to comfort us by bonding us to the whole Trinity. And besides working directly in you, the Spirit also uses means. He works in concrete and tangible ways to comfort you in time of trial and suffering. Now, how does the Spirit do that? Well, it's simple. Look around you. You look at me. Look around you. Who's sitting around? 
Do you see people sitting at the pew around you? Or do you, if you look carefully and think carefully, do you see saints and living stones of the temple of the Holy Spirit all around you? In verses 4 and 7, Paul tells us, the purpose of his suffering and deliverance was to benefit and to give comfort to suffering Christians in Corinth. When Paul faced death to a point of despair of his life, he was comforted. He was encouraged by the Lord, by his spirit. He was rescued, but it was not for his own good alone. It was for the sake of many others in the church of God. As a result, Paul reminds us that his suffering is the instrument of God's comfort. Beloved, if you are suffering, perhaps God's Spirit is molding and refining you in order that you may be equipped to bring God's comfort to others who suffer in a similar way. You may be battered, you may be bruised now, but when God gives you relief, your experience will benefit countless Christians. And even as a testimony and witness, to unbelievers around you because now you have a Christ-shaped heart and life to show to the world. The famous English preacher Charles Spurgeon suffered from depression from the beginning of his ministry. He struggled with it on and off. There were times he was crippled by deep despair that he could not even get out of bed. It would become his lifelong battle. One Sunday, he preached on Psalm 22, open with this famous verse, My God, my God, why do you forsake me? Spurgeon poured his heart out and his experience into the sermon, trying to come to grip of David and even Jesus' deep distress and mental anguish. That night, a disheveled man came to Spurgeon saying how much that morning's sermon meant to him. He was deeply moved because it appeared that of all the people in the world, only Spurgeon understood his soul. He thanked Spurgeon and he left. Later on, Spurgeon learned that he was suicidal. Five years later, Spurgeon saw this man again. And the church, now in sound mind, he has become a Christian and his depression cured. You see how the sharing of the suffering of Christ comforted Spurgeon, and how the Holy Spirit used him mightily to comfort a man in need of sanity and of salvation. People of God, God uses you in many ways to comfort others, speaking comforting words to those who are hurting, spending time at the side of those who are seriously ill, checking in with those who have not come to church services for weeks. The list goes on and on. But here on our last verse, verse 11, Paul tells us an excellent way the Holy Spirit comforts us, and it is by prayer. Paul understands that comfort and blessings are granted to him through faithful prayer, even by Christians who have never seen or met him. This should be an encouragement for us 
to attend prayer meetings or meet with others for impromptu prayer, to seek the comforting grace of God for others who are in need. It is true. When our prayer go up, God's blessings come down. Isn't it comforting to know that the Holy Spirit ministers to us directly in our hearts? And isn't it wonderful that the Spirit even transforms our own suffering into an instrument of grace to comfort many others? In closing, let me ask you this. Are you comfortable? No, I don't mean are you comfortable sitting or slumming in a rocking chair holding a beer in your hand and watching TV? Are you comfort able? Are you able to receive the comfort of the Heavenly Father who sovereignly loves and cares for you? Are you able to receive the comfort of Christ who walks you through the valley of the shadow of death and to green pasture of your heavenly home? Are you able to be comforted by the Holy Spirit in your deepest distress and need through his word and the ministry of the church? And finally, are you able to be the instrument of this Holy Spirit to comfort others by coming alongside them and by praying for and praying with them? Let all the answers to these questions be a resounding yes, Lord, yes. Amen, and let us pray. Our blessed Trinity, our great God, we rejoice in knowing you and your work. How the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit comfort us and make us into a comfort to others. May our faith and life be enriched by your word and spirit, such that we are more and more comforted by Christ and conformed into his likeness so that we may serve and love you and serve and love our neighbors all days of our life. To the glory of the Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.